Welcome back to episode 42 of the Guardian Project podcast. I'm your host, Andy, and today my favorite color of magic is red. April Fool's. Ha <laughs> 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 So bad. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Mike Coyle. And today, Andy told me if anyone did any sort of April Fool's joke to him, he would commit a murder. That would be a fool's demise right there. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Please listen carefully. I just don't like April Fool's Day. It's not my favorite day. Understandable. And this is... This is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. But mostly Commander. Uh, just to start off, if you want to support us um, and you're looking to buy some singles or some sealed product, um, now that we're kind of stuck at home, maybe your LGS isn't open. Maybe your LGS has a store open on TCG Player and you can go ahead and support them by purchasing your cards through our affiliate link that you can find on our website, guardianprojectpodcast.com. We would really appreciate it. Uh, another really easy way to support us, it doesn't cost any money, is to go in the comment section, leave us a comment. Uh, we're always looking to improve, so anything you can tell us uh, would be great. Leave us a rating and a like if if you you know like the podcast. Uh, and yeah, thanks. And we want to thank uh, our patrons. We did launch a Patreon account. Um, and right now, while we're all stuck at home, we did open up our Discord, which usually is the first tier reward. But we were like, no, let's just have everybody come in and hang out. So we've had a lot of people in there. Uh, a lot of Paper Commander games are firing. Um, so we've been utilizing that along with uh, Whereby to shift around the screens, making it really easy to figure out who's going first, who's going last in a Commander game. Um, but if you want to support us, um, feel free to head over to patreon.com. We have a lot of uh, rewards, um, some tokens, and other things. Uh, and that's patreon.com forward slash guardian project pod. Um, Coyle, what is on the agenda today? Uh, today we are going to talk about the secret lair that they just announced today. Uh, that's secret lair, greatest Magic the Gathering cards of all time. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh we are going to talk about some underplayed commanders, uh, commanders that we don't see play in our personal groups, uh, even though they may have uh, different statistics that we see online for the amount of play. Um, and then we're going to finish off with Commander of the Week with my baby, Shirei Shizos Caretaker. Yeah, so we had a secret layer that was announced today. The um, greatest, the greatest cards of all time, <laughs> the mm -hmm. greatest Magic: The Gathering cards of all time ever. Ever uh, secret layer, and obviously uh, we all looked at it and we're like, "Yeah, it's April Fool, so it's not real." Um, <clears throat> and that comes with um, foil, full alternate arts of the cards: Stormcrow, Squire, Mudhole, and Goblin Snowman. Mm -hmm. um, none of them are particularly good. Uh, their announcement said that they dug through years of magic history to try to pinpoint the most thrilling, exciting, and jaw-dropping, astounding, interesting, provocative, stimulating, and other words they found in the thesaurus from throughout the entire history of the game. Mm -hmm. um, and they were they were really great. And they had uh, four immensely talented artists come in to help with the art on these. Um, they do actually look pretty cool for for um, being four um, decent, decently average cards. <laughs> decently average. That's giving it a little bit of uh, maybe too much, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, people looked at it and then they moved on, you know, you smile and move on. But <clears throat> it did say that um, physically printing these cards would result in um, a hilarious tear in the fabric of reality, causing the very concept of time, magic, and Taco Tuesday to become meaningless. Um, 
And they said for that reason, they're not printing them at this time, but they will be available to WPN stores in the future. Um, they will be printing these and giving them to local WPN stores uh, for them to distribute however they want. So you actually can get your hands on these cards that are not useful in our format it's, of it's, Commander. It seems very insane. I mean, it, they're not very useful. I, okay, so mud, <laughs> mud Hole maybe in a really, really specific instance, but that would if be about it. If you're playing against Gitrog Monster mm-hmm. and you're in red, you're going to get them with a the Mud Hole. Yeah. Or Lord Windgrace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're mono red and you really want to be prepared for a lands deck, that's that's about it. I mean, maybe if you're playing humans and you just want to spice up with that that full art meme squire, that would be kind of cool. Who doesn't want to start attacking on turn three with a one two? I mean, that's... I mean, <laughs> what about a, a, a flying one two? Maybe. I mean, that's better. It's got evasion and it's in blue. I mean, uh, all jokes aside, these these cards do have beautiful art. They are very cool, but they're also memes. Mm -hmm. They're also memes. If you're building a meme deck, it's a must. It's a must get for you. You have to get it. (laughs) This is a must have. Reach out to your LGS when they're back open and figure out how you can get your hands on these cards. But we're more excited to talk about these commanders that we think are either underplayed or we just literally have never, ever played against them. And this is just in our personal metas. This is um, that the qualifier here is you may see these all the time. We see them none of the time. I think I think of my five, so we each pick five, so we have a list of 10 in mm-hmm. no order at all. They're, these are just, we just picked an order of 10. These are just 10 that we've never seen. And I think I've played against um, two of these a single time, like, two and a half years ago when we started playing commander and I didn't actually know what the format was really. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, that's hundred percent correct. Um, but, but EDA track might actually have uh, a different take on it. A hundred percent. They, you know, some of these that I found, I mean, one of mine that I found is, uh, you know, stay tuned for the very last one we go over, but it's the sixth most popular mono blue commander based on EDH rec. So I was blown away that it was not actually, um, I, that I've never seen it. I've seen it one time. This is one of the ones that I've seen one time because uh, Brian, uh, our old co-host Brian, has one of the that deck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess let's stop at the start at the top of the list. Uh, Verena Lich Queen. So Verena Lich Queen is a four CMC uh, commander that is basically all about the Zomboys. Um, so she's a four four zombie wizard that says whenever you attack with one or more zombies, draw that many cards, then discard that many cards, you gain that much life. You can pay two generic, exile two cards from your graveyard to create a tapped two two black zombie creature token. Um, so we assume right off the bat <clears throat> that this is going to be a zombie tribal commander. And actually, according to EDH rec, uh, Verena is the most popular zombie tribal commander, which I was... You get those white zombies. You get white zombies, which, you know, there's some lords, there's some pingers. Um, I know there's a, a wayward zombie, which was a creature printed in Amonkhet that I liked a lot. Um, I know Corpse Knight is a black-white zombie uh, that was printed in Throne of Eldraine. 
Um, so no, there's M- M20. M20? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. M20. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of synergies with the white, and it does make sense. Uh, however, you are exiling cards from your graveyard to make zombies, and typically a zombie deck might want to reanimate their zombies from the graveyard. Maybe this is a good way to get rid of lands that you might have in your deck. Maybe Verena Lichlord would be a, a dredge commander um, that you could take advantage. I don't believe there's any dredge cards printed in uh, white or blue, though. Um, <clears throat> dredges, I can't think of any. I say dredges typically uh, for black and green. Um, so... Uh- I don't even know if it's in red. I mean, it was a it was a Ravnica Golgari mechanic, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so you don't have access to the green for the dredge, but you still have all of the black. Um, but it's kind of surprising to see this as the number one uh, zombie commander, in my opinion, over decks like uh, Ghoul Caller Giza. Uh, which makes tokens, uh, Giza and Garolf, which re- uh, you can cast zombies from your graveyard. Um, however, beside Morophon the Boundless, this is really the only zombie commander, like zombie creature type commander that you could have in your command zone. Um, other than maybe Cedrus the Traitor King, but he exiles things uh, with his unearth ability. And so, Thraxamunder is Grixus. It is a zombie assassin. It is a zombie but, assassin. It doesn't have <laughs> any particular synergies with zombies itself, but there Other are than red zombies. Other a creature. <laughs> right, right. So, it's, so, I mean, Thraxamunder could be a Grixus aristocrats or a Grixus sure. reanimator. Um, there's nothing particularly on it about zombies, but you have, you have cards like uh, Scarab God that makes zombies and you get to uh, drain your opponents and scry X for the number of zombies you control at your upkeep. Uh, Sidisi Brood Tyrant, which makes zombies when you self-mill. Um, it, it just seems like Verena is the only zombie creature type that has zombie synergies, and that could be why it has the most deck types. But um, I have only seen this commander been played once, and it was on YouTube, so I've never I seen it in never purpose. Personally. Played against a Verena Lich Queen deck before. It does kind of is... make me want to build it, though. I mean, I like my zombie deck. I have a Scarab God deck. I've had it for a long time. It's actually one of my oldest decks that I own. Um, I have some custom four four uh, zombie token sleeves that I put over other cards to turn them into four four black zombie tokens. Um, but you the can fact- play anointed procession in this deck. You can, so you can get double zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important that it, it, that that you you draw as many cards as you swung with zombies, and then you discard that many. So it seems like you will constantly fill your graveyard, assuming that you have some decent token strategies for sure. And if you have something that turns all creatures into a specific type as well, yeah, the. I guess the one downside is when you do activate the ability to create the zombies. Um, oh no, they don't come in tap. Yeah, you create it, you you create them tapped. You so do. if so, yeah. So if you do swing out, uh, you won't have any blockers even with Verena Lichlord's ability. Right, and you're hoping that you are <clears throat> milling like some lands because it would be very sad if you drew three and then had to discard three, and like all the cards in your hand were ones you needed or wanted. Right. And you don't want to activate her ability. Um, I mean, I guess that that is the first mechanic or I guess the first block of text worth playing 
an Esper zombie deck. Whenever you attack with one or more zombies, draw that many and then discard that many and gain that much life, it might be. Well, and and again, we talked about it uh, having access to those those white zombies as well. So may, it might be. Um, you, you definitely leave yourself open to more varieties. Uh, typically, your zombie decks are only black, blue, or just black. So you know you get more variety of zombies, and um, maybe you can make it work out. You'll get some more synergy cards, uh, perhaps. Like you can throw in uh, everyone's favorite enchantment, the Smothering Tithe and uh, get a lot of mana and be able to have that mana dump uh, right there on your commander's face, that seems like it uh, could be a pretty good strategy. You know, there is a card looking through some of the, the, the popular cards for this commander. There's a card called Necromancer's Covenant for three white, black, black that has, when it enters the battlefield, exile all creature cards from a target player's graveyard. And you make a 2-2 zombie for each card exiled. And then it also says zombies you control have lifelink. That's... Yes. Seems good. That's pretty good. And you do get uh, access to um, the best color for um, instant speed targeted removal in white with your swords to plowshares and path to exile. I mean, you, you, you do get, there is some upside for playing the color white in for conjunction. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Esper is arguably the, the best control uh, colors that you could play. And for this having 1,172 decks on EDHREC, I am surprised we have never run into this even once. Yeah, uh, yeah. I agree. Well, maybe maybe we'll change that. Maybe I'll uh, maybe this will end up being my uh, third deck from now that I'll build. <laughs> I have a couple in queue already, unfortunately. Um, all right. Well, moving on to the next commander. Um, this is the first one that I chose is... Shattergang Brothers. Um, it is in 348 decks on EDHREC. Um, it was from Commander 2013. So it has been a few years. And when I was looking through these to determine why I think that we're not seeing these commanders played is, I mean, we didn't want to just say, oh, there's a strictly better commander. Obviously, there's there's better strategies for certain, for certain decks. Um, I guess commanders for certain strategies. Um, but I'm wondering if this, this card is just at this point old and maybe this was played a lot when when it first came out and now we just don't see it it was also one of the secondary creatures in the prosh commander deck Mm -hmm. um one of the 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 i guess lesser legendaries one of the other that they can switch out but uh shattergang brothers actually does a lot so you have a lot right on one on one card so it is a three three goblin artificer for one black red green and it has three abilities pay two in a black you can sacrifice a creature and then each other player sacrifices a creature and pay two in a red sacrifice an artifact each other player sacrifices an artifact and then pay two in a green sacrifice an enchantment each other player sacrifices an enchantment so you're in jund colors and um you know, paying four mana for a three three and then needing three mana to activate it could be one of the reasons this deck isn't played very often. Sure. It is very mana intensive. You need seven mana right off the bat to do something with it. You know, and well, be pl- sad. Plus to play. have plus have the permanent on field. Well, chances are you do have that if you played it on turns one, one, two, or three before this, assuming this sure. is coming down on four and not ramped out. But, you know, looking at strategies for Shattergang Brothers, you got token strategies are really good. You want you want lots of tokens. So you're going to play creatures that enter and, and bring other creatures along with them. Um, 
you want creatures to recur. So when you sack them, you can play them from your graveyard. Uh, cards like Reassembling Skeleton uh, come to mind. Um, enchantments. Uh, this is a card, Coil. It's got black on it oh. that has enchantment removal, but not targeted. So if they have more than one enchantment, you know, unfortunately, you can't get rid of their enchantment. That's that's a problem. That's true. But, but... Um, you've got enchantments like Rancor and Aspect of Mongoose. So they're both green, and they both say when they leave the battlefield, when they go to the graveyard from the battlefield, you return them to your hand. Yeah. So um, you've got some synergies there with sacrificing that. And then um, there are artifacts in this deck that also come back to your hand. Spine of Isha, although it does cost seven mana alone, um, when it goes into the graveyard, you just put it back in your hand. Um I, you know, I've looked up lots of, you know, I looked up a lot of articles and did a lot of research and I was trying to figure out whether or not this was a popular commander and maybe why it wasn't. And I, I found a thread on, on Twitter and there were a lot of people saying that they did not like playing against Dictative Erebos and Grave Pack style decks. Sure. And this is literally that, but for creatures, enchantments, and artifacts. Yep. yep. It, it, you know, I lose one, so you lose one. But if you don't have the resources then no one loses anything and if this is one of those commanders where it's if you built around it this is probably one of those commanders that you remove on the spot and if it already costs four and then six you know it, it's expensive um needing that that extra mana to activate it but i was looking at some of the cards and there's a lot of newer cards that came out that work really well with shatter gang brothers like Dockside Extortionist is really yep. good. Yep. You get a creature that brings along a bunch of enchantments that then you can use those enchant or, or I'm sorry, artifacts, artifacts mm -hmm. to activate his ability and then make them lose whatever it is that's causing issues. Um, Anax Hardened in the Forge seems like an all-star in this. Oh yeah. When a creature of yours dies, you make satyrs instead. So then you have like two creatures. Um, Mayhem Devil, because you're sacrificing things. Uh, you deal one damage and then rankle master of pranks makes them sacrifice creatures when it deals damage as long as you're cool with also sacrificing one um but i think i think that this is one of those those value decks that people talk about you know you probably just want to play cards that are value and if if shatter gang brothers is played you can do some cool stuff with it but you know i've just i've literally never seen this card even cast no nope no um and, I mean, other than, uh, I, I mean, I played the Prash Precon uh, once or I twice. I guess maybe you cast <laughs> it a few years ago when you played the Precon. Right. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't I don't remember it doing anything if you did cast it. No. That, you know, nothing of importance. But I think this might not be seeing play because maybe it's it's older and maybe not the new hotness anymore. And it's it's 100% a control deck is what this is. For sure. I mean, uh, maybe people are just... Um, they don't expect it, it, it is control. I mean, it keeps people shut down um, pretty much. If you if you have some sort of engine going, um, my first thought when I saw it was actually uh, revel in riches, because uh, if yeah. everyone's got creatures, then you sack one creature, get three treasures, and it just fuels for whatever else you want to do. Um, since it yeah. does cost three, it's a shame that there's no blue in here, so you can play training grounds to make these uh, activations just cost the one color. Um, but you know, there's the um, the heart. Uh, can't remember the name. Yeah, uh, makes where all I... activated abilities cost one generic class. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jund Aristocrats is is definitely uh, a popular mechanic or a popular theme, uh, and we just got Corvald, uh, Fey Cursed King, 
So uh, he seems to be the most popular Jund aristocrats commander right now. Doesn't quite do the same thing though. So uh, well, and you know, there's other cards in here that you can sacrifice that come back, like the enchantment journey to eternity. You enchant one of your creatures, and then when that creature dies, you return journey. But you can, um, you know, so you can sacrifice the creature this is on, and then it flips. There's, you know, there's a lot of things in here that are useful. Um, it just seems like a very mana intensive deck. But maybe sure. Dockside Extortionist could curb some of that difficulty, Definitely. you know? Yeah, I think it's um, also kind of interesting. You could play uh, some of the uh, Theros gods or um, uh, like things like Solemn Simulacrum and then choose whether you're going to uh, destroy it as a creature or destroy it as an artifact or in case of the gods, destroy it as an enchantment just so it kind of become like your, your, your creatures kind of become modal. So if someone mm -hmm. plays something problematic, you can uh, decide whether you want to you know take it out or not. Yeah. It also gets around indestructible things uh, because yes, they're does, required to sacrifice. sacrifice. Gets around sacrifice Shroud, them. gets around Hexproof, gets around Indestructible. Um, the, you know, another another new card listed on EDHREC for this deck is Arasta of the Endless Web. It's a legendary creature. So you, you again, modal with the spider, but it mm -hmm. says when an opponent casts an instant or sorcery, you make a 1-2 spider. So you have another creature to sacrifice. Um I think this just wants big, I guess, just, I guess not big, but value cards that, that work really well with this synergy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think this one is underplayed and, and it looks like one that honestly, if I was building a deck, this is, this is one that might be interesting because I don't, I don't have a Jund deck. So. Got to Jund them out, Andy. Rule Jund them out. Rule number one of modern is Jund them out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next on the list, we have uh Rafik of the many all right um so Rafik of the many is uh, a voltron commander meaning the idea of this uh deck is to kill someone um most likely with commander damage uh so Rika, mm -hmm. Rafik of the many is bant so it's one a green a blue blue and a white uh it is a human knight uh, three three with exalted. Exalted means whenever a creature you control attacks alone, that creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Uh, Rafik also has another ability. It says whenever a creature you control attacks alone, it gains double strike until end of turn. Um, yeah. So this is actually a pretty popular uh, Voltron deck uh, according to EDA Trek. Um, however, the the most popular Voltron decks uh, being like SRAM Senior Artificer in Mono White. Um, and followed closely behind uh, by decks like Valduck, Keeper of the Flames, and Zergo Helm Smasher. What about Ural the Miststalker? Um, so it's kind of weird. So on EDH rec, you can't actually look up the strategy Voltron. You, ha okay. you have to look up equipment or aura. So I'm actually on equipment right now. Okay. Um, so if you, if you look up aura, I'm sure... Um, he'll show up there okay um i know it's like sir gwen right now uh it actually is the uh most popular equipment commander there is right now but she has uh particular synergies with equipment to make equipment cost cost zero so that kind of makes sense sure and when you look up aura mm -hmm. ural does come up as one then zer and then siona captain of the Pileus. 
are all beating out Tuvasa the Sunlit, which is surprising. Well, I guess um, I did. I did. Well, I guess hear, this isn't actually an order of, of number of decks. So I did hear an interesting argument on Tuvasa actually the other day when, um, in terms of price of your deck for Tuvasa, when you're looking at lower price Tuvasa decks, it actually mm-hmm. does end up being a lot of aura abilities. Um, but when mm. you start looking at higher price Tuvasa decks, it turns into pillow for. Uh, pseudo stacks more just mil- more just pillow fort and taxes just regular enchantments that sit out not necessarily auras. exactly sure um so why are people not playing rafik of the many um it, it's you know it, he he doesn't have an inherent card draw ability directly on his face like sram does everyone everyone loves sram because of his card draw ability even if it's only in mono white yeah. um it 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 is kind of dumbfounding to me, uh, just because in terms of the auras, I mean, there's there's some super good synergies that you get when you start going into uh, multiple colors, and uh, especially green and blue. Um, I know that there is, uh, you know, so- Sovereign of Lost Alera is um, a super powerhouse, probably a signature card for this deck. Uh, it is a creature. It's a 4-5 Exalted that says, uh, whenever a creature you control attacks alone, you may search your library for an aura card um, that could yeah, enchant that creature, and then you put it onto the battlefield, in uh, onto that creature, and you shuffle your library. So, um, yeah. when I mean, Sovereigns of Lost Alora just grabs you... I mean, it could grab you Eldrazi conscriptions, <laughs> uh, which which actually uh, an unblocked Rafik of the many with an Eldrazi's cons- uh, conscriptions on it is uh, automatically win because he has double strike and he'll have 13 power. Uh, you won't get the Annihilator trigger because he'll have already been, been swinging, but uh, a dead person uh, doesn't matter how many permanents they have. <laughs> so... Um, the card you, I would like the most to see played in a Rafik deck, though, not not to jump in here, but it's a card that I used to play a lot in just like a tabletop deck when we used to play 60 card, just casual, um, mm-hmm. Sublime Archangel, where other creatures you control have Exalted, and then if they already had Exalted, they now have double Exalted. They can have multiple instances of Exalted. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you can just pump your guys that way. Um Yeah. And again, uh, running green-blue uh, on top of white does allow you to uh, get a lot of control pieces um, in the in blue. Obviously, white already has some of those good control pieces. Uh, you get a lot of good ramp in green, um, access to more uh, tutor abilities, uh, board wipes. Um, you know, uh, time wipe is a pretty a pretty good card printed in War of the Spark that will. Uh, allow you to bounce your commander back to your hand and destroy everything else uh, and then you can put it back out um, you have access to wargate with tutors that allows you to tutor up anything that you want uh, any permanent that you want onto the battlefield um, supreme verdict uh, helps you wipe the board so it, it's a voltron deck that you can play with um, with the bant colors which is um, pretty rare uh in terms of what is available out there um so yeah i think it, this is a... it's not played because it's voltron hey, it... i had a voltron deck and i i just didn't enjoy it because if somebody has the ability to get rid of it it's like oh i have to start over again i have nothing i can do 
that very well could be. However, I do see Voltron decks out there still. And I've that- lost to Ural the Miststalker like five times. <laughs> that deck just goes crazy. So, I mean, I believe that there's people out there playing Rafik. I just don't see anybody around us. And it is from it is from the Alara block. So, I mean, it's been it's a minute since this card came out. For sure. Um, and that could be, you know, we obviously we don't want to use that as a reason for all of these. But I'm wondering if, you know, and I was just saying a couple of weeks ago, not to digress too, too far off, but mm-hmm. I was just saying, you know, I, I have like, 25 commander decks between you know me and nick and you you're constantly building some and i was like i'm bored of these i want to play something new right and you know i'm at i think game 120 i think i am at 128 now this year Mm -hmm. um in my quest to 365 and i've played all but one of the commander decks i did find one that i had not played yet it was edgar markoff i haven't played it this year okay okay um so but you know, I've played all of these decks a few times now. Some I've only played once or twice, mm-hmm. um, but I played them a ton last year, you know, if I made them last year sure. or the year before that. You know, you find you play them like 20 times the year you build them and then it then it trickles off and then do you take them apart? I don't know. And maybe this is what happened with some of these decks. It's like, oh, I played Rafik three years ago and I played it like a hundred times and mm-hmm. I just, I was done with it. And maybe that's why we don't see it. And that, that could be a good, you know, that could be a, yeah, it's it's, def- it's definitely uh, an indicator of it, um, and it's not it's not a, by any means the the strongest Voltron commander. Like you could maybe you can make an argument, but there's so many different auras like uh, battle mastery and different equipments um, like fire shrieker that can already grant your Voltron commander double strike. Sure, you don't have to include that in your deck here, but. The, the other options that you could fill those voids in, uh, you have to really question on whether it's worth it. Um, I mean, if, if you want an equipment deck, you're probably going to be playing um, like Sir Gwen or, or Sram. And if you want an aura deck, there's a really good argument to play Zer the Enchanter uh, uh, over Rafik of the Many. Um, you do get access to black as well. When it comes to that, you lose access to green for ramp. Um, but that, that also... You know, there there is a good argument to play Rafik with that free double strike as well. So, um, yeah. so maybe Age has something to do with it. I know Zer is uh, just about as old, but it's also been reprinted a lot. Uh, it's a lot cheaper. I know Rafik of the Many is going for like five dollars right now, whereas Zer you can pick up for under a dollar. Um, and same thing with Sir Gwen, you can pick up for under a dollar. I believe Sram is only a couple dollars as well, um, about four dollars for Sram. So. Um, I don't. I hope two dollars doesn't make someone's difference, but uh, the advantage you have with SRAM is the mana base is a lot simpler as well. Maybe price does have a big thing to do with it when it comes to that. Yeah, it could. And as we see more people jumping into Commander, being that this is the year of Commander, maybe we'll see some of these more often. Cool. Especially when we start going to things when we can physically go to things again, like Command Fest and and Magic Fests. That's sure. where we see a lot of the decks that we hadn't seen before. That's but true. It's been nice playing Paper Magic because I think I've played against, I think I've played in the last week against like 10 or 12 decks that I had never seen before. So yeah, that's it's, been great. It's been actually really, really fun to see all these different decks come out. I really, really like great. it. Uh, the next commander that I have is Enet Cryptic Sovereign. Um, so it is the Sphinx that cares about odd CMCs. Um, it is in 755 decks on uh, uh, EDHREC. Um, Enet. 
is a 3-5 Sphinx for two, a white, a blue, and a black. It has flying, vigilance, and menace. I mean, so those are all relevant. Um, and it also says when Enet Cryptic Sovereign attacks through the top card of your library, if that card's CMC is odd, you can cast it for free without paying its mana cost. Otherwise, you draw a card. It's a lot of value mm -hmm. um, on one creature. So, you know, I was looking and I said, why isn't this card being played? And I, this is one um, I, I've played against this, uh, I think, once. Yep. And it was right after this. Um, it's the Aminatu precon, I believe this was printed in. Yes. And it was right after that pre um, after that set had come out. Mm -hmm. And um, I... I think one of the reasons this deck isn't being played is because from from a lot of my research and a lot of what I found and from what I experienced when I played against it, um, a lot of the Enet decks are playing extra turns. Mm, it's just mm -hmm. that's what they're doing because sure. um, a, a, a lot of the extra turn spells have just odd CMCs, mm -hmm. um, Time Warp and Nexus of Fate and. Um, you know, I can't even think of like the five capture of Jin Shao. All of those are odd CMCs. So you flip an extra turn spell, you take an extra turn. Um, and a lot of people don't like playing against extra turn spells. I know from experience. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have the spells and I've tried to build that extra turn spell deck multiple ways. I have right now Maloku, the Clouded Mirrors put together because of the combo with the land that came out in Throne of Eldraine. Mm -hmm. Um I had Narset, um, Enlightened Master, put together in Jeskai, um, put together as as extra turns. So uh, the other the other strategy, right, for Enet is is manipulating the top of your deck. So there's other commanders that do this as well, like Aminatu. Mm -hmm. um, you've got Intet the Dreamer that allows you to cast things um, after he's dealt damage. I believe that's in Jeskai. Um, Jaleva, Nefalia Scourge is in Grixis colors. And then again, Narset allows you to cast um, not necessarily odd CMCs, but allows you to cast cards after you've swung or done damage of some sort. Um, well, she's just uh, swings. Yeah. So there, there's other cards that do similar things. And I've seen, I see Aminatu a lot, and maybe that's because it's a face, a face card of a precon. Mm -hmm. I've, I see, I see Narset not often, but when we play at like Commander League, it's an extremely competitive deck. So mm -hmm. maybe that's why I see Narset, even if it's not built in a nasty way. It's right. just competitive. Um, I've seen Jaleva in, in, um, Commander League. Um, but I've, I've, I don't think I've ever played against Intet the Dreamer. Okay, but um, the deck again, looking to manipulate the top of the deck, and there's cards that it plays that that allow you to do it pretty easily. Like Aqueous Form allows you to scry one, but it's unblockable, mm -hmm. so you can try to fix that top card and make sure you're getting something for free. Um, but looking at some of these these cards that are standard for Enet, <clears throat> um, I, I just it. it you know, doing all this research makes you want to build every single one of these. Oh, yeah. In all honesty. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's a card called Penance. And it's an enchantment that says put a card from your hand on top of your library at instant speed to prevent damage from a black or a red source. Well, yeah. Enet doesn't have to deal damage. Right. So you're just like, yeah, I'll just prevent you from taking commander damage because it's a black source mm -hmm. by putting this card at instant speed on top of my library and then. And then I cast it. <laughs> right. So um, I just, I'm surprised that this deck is not seeing, that I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, 
uh, you said it already about um, our Narset. I mean, Narset, you look at the top three and you can cast any of them or yeah, all of you them. Exile, I think it's you, is it you exile the top three? I think it's three, but yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, that doesn't, that doesn't look at specific CMCs or anything. So it doesn't matter what you exile off the top. You can always cast it. So it's actually four. Oh, yeah, four. You, you do so four better than that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's you, till end of turn. You don't even do it instantly. You do Narset's till end of turn. Right. So, so, I mean, maybe Narset has access to red where um, Yannette has access to black instead, uh, allowing you to run cards like In Garrick's Wake uh, to wipe the board or uh, Brilliant Ultimatum. Um, it, it also, I mean, both of them can run Eldrazi. I see Eldrazi as a pretty big theme here looking at EDA track. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a lot of destroy, a lot of control just right off the top of the deck. Um, I know we've seen a lot of uh, Eureka uh, Ninja, which cares about the top of your deck as well, um, to do damage. A lot of people play that with with big spells as well, but again, doesn't care about odd CMC. I mean, it, it could just be too much of a, like people think it's a meme deck because it's so niche because it's only looking at odd CMC. Um, I mean, it's possible. And I guess the other thing that I thought about when I was thinking about this is after you kill it it costs seven and then nine and enet's casting a lot of expensive spells for free and so if you don't have enet out then you have to cast those expensive spells mm-hmm. and you might just fall way too far behind if the commander's removed because this is one of those decks that 100 relies on the commander and if you lose the commander you, you might be out Mm-hmm. especially if your spells cost nine and you never get past six or seven mana because you expected to cast them all for free. Right. So that's that's my thought behind Enet. And maybe there's a maybe there's a hidden theme that people aren't building. Like, So I, I looked up Enet as a big mana commander because that's how I would see someone trying to play it, trying to play the biggest spells they can for free. Um, but maybe there's some sort of Voltron sub-theme. She is very difficult to block. She has flying and menace, along mm-hmm. with vigilance to help you keep as a blocker. But maybe there's some aura strategy um, that you can use to you know, make her big out of nowhere and uh, swing in for some lethal damage. Um, it's possible. But yeah, like you said, extra turns uh, would make the the deck pretty darn strong and as soon as someone sees one extra turn deck unit's going to be targeted removal almost immediately yeah the, the the whole table sighs in unison and goes okay well this is it yeah, <laughs> the arch enemy starts now it's happening <laughs> who right. do you have next next on the list we have uh actually it, it, according to eda track it's a very very popular commander <laughs> but okay um Again, I think I've seen it once when I first started playing Commander back in the day, and that's Riku of Two Reflections. Okay, I've never played against this deck before. It's, it's I, I, oh, well, I guess I'll get into it in a second, but Riku of Two Reflections is a teamer commander, so two blue, red, green. It says, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may pay a blue and a red. If you do copy that spell, you may choose new targets for the copy. And also has the ability of whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay green and a blue. If you do, put a token that's a copy of that creature onto the battlefield. So right off the bat, I want to say... That's a, that's a mouthful. 
It's it's a lot. Of, and he's a it's, two-two in case that matters. It doesn't. Uh, <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he dies pretty easily. But um, right off the bat, I just want to say that Riku of Two Reflections costs almost $20 as a commander or as a card. Um, has only wow. been printed like one time in a uh, commander pre-con. So um, he is expensive and that could be reason number one people aren't playing him um another reason i think people probably aren't playing this is because when people play a deck they like to stick to one theme and riku on its face value has two themes to it it has uh enter the battlefield effects with creatures because he makes additional copies of creatures and it has double spell slinging um so uh the fact that it doesn't hone into one strategy um and people probably don't want to play like so if you're doing copy creatures uh, maybe you're going to be playing a uh, populate deck uh, instead of riku and if you're playing uh, a spell slinging uh, deck you might be playing um, like a a, a, a mizix or a melek kind of deck instead uh, of riku um, but riku does give you the opportunity to have green which makes it so you could even play this as like a teamer lands matters deck by doubling all of your um, your ramp spells, um, and then you know for for your creatures with lands matter you can make double copies of them and play like four four lands a turn or something. Um, I just I, I as as long as Riku has been out, I don't think anyone has found that super awesome build that isn't just instant win combo because there are things out there that will uh do that type of thing i mean creating uh double terastodon or uh you know some uh you know casting expropriate twice uh off of one cast there, there's a lot of delinquent things you can do with riku but there are fair ways to make this deck that actually would be kind of cool you know of the decks we've talked about so far i feel like this one is probably hit hardest by the cmc in all honesty because sure. five because it costs five like if it costs just teamer like get rid of those two generic mana mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. make that commander tax number one right I think this would be played more often because not only do you have to get it out with five, now you need to cast another spell and have the mana up to do one of these abilities. Mm -hmm. It is so expensive. And to get to that type of mana fast enough, you know you're building an expensive deck. I'm sure the stronger or more powerful versions of Riku are playing cards like... um, you know, Mana Crypt and Mana Vault mm-hmm. and Grim Monolith just to get to the CMC so that you can get the things out to start doing stuff. But maybe Requa Two Reflections is one of those commanders that you don't rely on early and then you deal with it or deal with the board later on by saying, okay, well, now that I've got 12 mana, I'll play Riku and then a spell and then copy it or a creature and then double it and, and do it late game. But I, you know, it's one of those hard... It's old. It's from the original, the original commander set. Yep, so this yep. was the the very first one. Mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen commanders in that pushed. We've got cards like uh not not the original commander set, but I mean in commander in general, cards like Crick. I mean that was pushed, you know, Crick versus Riku. I feel like they're not even on the same level power-wise. Right. Um 
but it could be that I just haven't seen a strong build of Riku. I've never played against the deck. It just feels like this one would have been really nice to have cheaper activations, and maybe that's why it's not played. But, you know, I don't know if I'd buy a $25 card for a deck that I've never seen or played. You know, I've never even seen played. Right. Because I haven't seen this even on YouTube. Okay. I mean, I, I have... Um, but it's in it's in pods that are typically lower power that you're not going to remove someone's commander before they have an upkeep. You know, you'll let them okay. try to do something once. But um, I think typically when people are building this, they're building it uh, semi competitively or 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 as high tier competitively as they can. Um, the idea being to pump out infinite mana and then get Riku down and copy an extra turn spell when it comes down yeah. and then try to win in, within the next, you know, four turns or whatever you do to get sure. it. Sure. Um, Narset's Reversal is a is a, uh, a really good spell for this deck um, because, it, so it plays a lot of copy spells, which is uh, interesting because you would think, you know, why would I play copy spells in this deck where my creature is already copying it? Uh, it it's because f- four copies of a spell is better than two. Um, and it's so it's going to just be ramp out as much mana as possible. You have green ramp and artifact ramp available to you uh, and and just do de- degenerate things by copying your spells or creatures like just as many freaking times as possible. Yeah. Um, you have access to things like Seedborn Muse so that you can start doing things on everybody's turn. Um, you know, it, it does say uh, when a a non-token creature enters the battlefield and you do have blue. So you have access to blink abilities. So you can make um, extra copies of your Paragon Drake. You can, you know, you have Deadeye Navigator um, available to you in this to, to double things. Um, you can play win conditions like Naru Meha and uh, Ghostly Flicker within the deck. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of infinite combos and that could be, a reason why people don't play it is because if you play Riku, just hashtag value, you're you're probably not going to win many games because you're going to have to show a powerful board state before you untap, and people are going to notice it and they are going to swing at you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, you should build it anyways because he's really cool. <laughs> yeah, you know another cool cool card that actually is fairly new. Um, and by fairly, I mean it came out in the last Commander set, is Pramicon Sky Rampart. So mm-hmm. it is in 565 decks on EDH Rec, um, and it is probably the only Commander that really cares about controlling combat and where you can swing, other than things like Maurice's Goad. But this is controlling who you can swing at based on choosing left or right, which mm-hmm. is the first um, legendary uh, creature to do this. So Pramacon Sky Rampart is a 1-5 wall for Jeskai, so a, a blue, a red, and a white, um, that has flying and defender. And it says, as Pramacon Sky Rampart enters the battlefield, choose left or right. Uh, each player may only attack the nearest opponent in the chosen direction, and Planeswalkers controlled by that opponent. So you play Pramacon, and you look at the person to your left and right, and you go, oh, the person to my left isn't playing creatures, so I don't care. So you choose... Um, you choose right. You choose right so that they have to swing at you. Um, mm-hmm. And since they're not running creatures, you don't have to worry about it. And every time Pramacon dies, you can cast it again and choose a different direction, really based on where the game, you know, the game state is at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pramacon is doing a lot of spell slinging, 
Um, but for the most part, I've seen Pillowfort decks built, so a lot of taxing effects to make it hard or undesirable to attack um, at you. So your opponents would rather just attack each other. So cards like Ghostly Prison, Propaganda, Sphere of Safety, um, playing cards like Grand Arbiter to make things cost more to kind of slow the game down um, are, are good. Um, Primacon plays a lot of Blink uh, to, to reset the left or the right. But Pramicon is the only commander that, um, well, I guess not the only, but the only commander that has the ability just right on it that, that combos with the card Mystic Barrier. Mystic Barrier is another card that you really, you just choose left or right. Um, Mystic Barrier is an enchantment for five that pretty much does what Pramicon does. So when it enters um, the battlefield or at the beginning of your upkeep, you choose left or right, and then you can only attack to the left or to the right. Um, but Spark Double came out, and so you can have Spark Double become a copy of Mystic Barrier. Um, and the way that Pramicon works, if you have Pramicon and Mystic Barrier out, one choosing left and one choosing right, as long as it's not a 1v1 game, no one can attack anymore. That's pretty um, great. It, it is. The problem is it's you're playing a stall game, and maybe that's why people aren't playing it, because you're just... You're just stalling the game. Like, it's cool to do it probably once or twice. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that did that. And they're like, look what I did. I stopped sure. it. I stopped everyone from attacking. But it wins with alternate win cons. You've got cards like Approach of the Second Sun. Mm -hmm. um, you've got cards like um, Azor's Elocutors. If you can lock it down so people can't swing left or right, no one can hit you. And then Azor's Elocutors gets its five filibuster counters, and then you just win the game. Cards like that. Um so there's a few new cards that came out that work well with it because I've never seen it. I don't know how often these are being played, but like Thassa Deep Dwelling blinks a permanent so you can reset Pramicon or reset your Mystic Barrier whenever you need to. Um, I just, I don't, I don't really know why this, this deck isn't played. I, maybe it just wasn't as popular as the other commanders last year. And, and maybe that's the reason. Well, if you look at the Jeskai, um, commander deck i guess there's really only one of those commanders that's seeing a lot of play and that's elsha right so not even the face commander savine is seeing much play at all um and i don't know i i when i am playing games i don't see a lot of people playing control so and that's kind of what it seems like yes it's pillow fort but it's also blue white i mean you even mentioned uh grand arbiter in there which is you know control the definition control of dot control creature. yeah exactly yeah. yeah pretty much so um i mean that could have a lot to do with it uh, maybe people just don't want a wall as their commander or something i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows i just i think it's it's efficiently costed at just just you know a blue a red and a white so it, it's cheap there's there's a couple of cool cards in here um you know that that have a lot of synergy like um Fumiko, the low blood. It's a legendary creature. It's 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 um that has Bushido, but then it says creatures your opponents control at each creatures your opponents control attack each turn if able. So you're forcing them to fight, and and if you've chosen, you know the right direction, you you will take the least amount of damage. And mm -hmm. I guess you're just hoping that your opponents kill each other before you get killed. <laughs> well, and then, you know, you can have that, like you're, you're talking about blink effects. If you can somehow blink your commander, um, you know, twice per round, you can make it so that no one even has the option of swinging at you. Yep. 
Yeah. So that's Pramicon. Who do you have next? Uh, the next card I have is a card that I hate if it's on the battlefield on the opposite <laughs> side of me uh, in any single game. It's Anafenza the Foremost. So Anafenza is Abzan for white, a black, and a green. It's a 4-4 a four, four human soldier that says, whenever Anafenza the Foremost attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on another target tapped creature you control. If a creature card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So, yeah. yeah, so this is a graveyard hate on a stick, uh, or reanimator on a, a reanimator hate on a stick, I guess I should say. <laughs> so, so your favorite type of deck to play against? Uh, yeah, so I really hate Anafenza uh, when it's played against me, but I totally, uh, it, it hurts to say that I sh- that you should play it more, but you should play it more. Um, I usually see it indexed too. Definitely I've played against Anafenza a bunch in the 99, but I have never played against Anafenza as the commander. So her effect seems kind of underwhelming uh, that like whenever she attacks, you can only put one plus one plus one counter on one other target tapped creature you control. Um, but what Anafenza allows you to do is play with your own graveyard and make it so no one else can play with their graveyard. Uh, you can run a lot of um, like undying creatures uh, and they'll come back with a, a minus one, minus one counter on it and you have them swing and then your plus one, plus one counter you put on that creature will negate the minus one, minus one and you can get their ability again. Um, and other than that, it just seems like people are running it as abs and good stuff um, just because Anafenza herself I mean, that's what she does. She shuts down graveyards and puts one plus one plus one counter on a creature a turn. Um, One thing you can consider doing, which I have not seen before, I haven't seen one deck on it. And and Andy, we actually talked about this for a a small time saying, what what (laughs) commander would you play in order to do this strategy? And that's Eldrazi Processing. So oh, to exile things from someone else's, yeah, or it's <laughs> to back in, yeah, bring cards from exile back into players' graveyards is what processing yeah. does with Eldrazi. And yeah, uh, if you play boardwipes.deck uh, with Anafenza, um, and then outside of that run Eldrazi processing, that could be a deck, guys. Eldrazi processing dot deck. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah, it could be a lot of fun, and uh, that's actually the reason I picked this commander is because um, this is a message out to all you listeners. Somebody build Eldrazi processing and offends of the foremost. <laughs> um, the next deck that I have is Rona, Disciple of Gix, but only has one hundred and fifty eight decks on EDH Rex. So this is a very very low. Uh, uh, low already um, <clears throat> and I think that she is is likely before we go over this I think that she might have been victim of coming out in Dominaria with a bunch of other legendaries and just mm-hmm. wasn't the wasn't the most popular and then we moved on um, so Rona Disciple of Gix is a 2-2 legendary human artificer for one a blue and a black and it <clears throat> she says when Rona Disciple of Gix enters the battlefield you may exile target historic card from your graveyard. And then uh, she says, you may cast non-land cards exiled with Rona. And then she has an ability to pay four, tap, exile the top card of your library. So this is 100% a combo deck. 
This is not a value deck. It's you're, you need to combo. That that's what this is doing. Um, it relies heavily on her enter the battlefield. Way less on the activation of four mana because you don't have a way to untap her. So you have to build around that four mana ability, and it's expensive. Um, so artifact ramp is what I, I've seen, and there were a, a few articles. It was this was the most difficult commander for me to find research on. And 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 just pieces on in general because um, it's it's one of the uncommon legendaries from Dominaria mm-hmm. and I think that it you know it I don't I don't think she's super weak I guess there's there's way weaker um, old legendary creatures but I I just don't think she was initially looked at by everybody and they sure. were like oh well this one's better so i'm just going to build that if i have if i have 150 dollars to build a deck or whatever your budget is they were like well if i'm going to do it i'm going to build one that i know is going to do something and not one that seems a bit more meme um meme e meme oh i thought you said meanie <laughs> meme m-e-m-e dash e meme e anyway yeah. Um, so this deck cares about cheap historic spells, right? So you can play them right away. So you want um, historic spells that cost zero or one. So when Rona Rona comes in, if you had one in your graveyard, you can play it again right away. Cards like Ex- Executioner's Capsule or Aether Spellbomb, even like Mox Amber, if you exile it from the top of your library, you cost zero, so you can play it right away. Um, but, you know, there are some pretty pretty big restrictions with with her. So um, the card exiled with Rona is cast, not played. So if you exile land, you can't play it. So that's really a a bummer. Mm -hmm. Um, If Rona dies and comes back, the ruling is that she's a new object. She's not like Maricel. So any card that was exiled with her on a previous uh, cast um, before she died is exiled forever. You can't bring those back. So Mm -hmm. hopefully you don't lose like a combo piece in that exile um, that you can't cast before um she dies or something right um a lot of these are isochron scepter and dramatic reversal combos and then if you have an untap ability you you're pretty much just making infinite mana um and then uh essentially exiling your entire deck with rona because if you can untap her and you have more than four mana you just make it and then you exile your deck and you play whatever your combo is um but this is you know a deck that i i found a few things so i can't take credit for this um but but there is a combo in mind lock orb and marilyn of the morn song one says you can't search libraries and then marilyn says you can't draw cards so if you get that out only you are able to get cards and cast them from exile with hmm. Rona. Nice. <laughs> so um, don't know if that's good. Don't know if you'd have friends if you cast that lock <laughs> while you have Rona out. But it is entirely possible. Um, I just, I think, you know, after I did all the work of all the ones that I did, this one and my next one were the two that I definitely want to build. But if I built Rona, she'd be really expensive right. to make it like actually, I don't, I don't need a competitive deck. But you don't want to just lose whenever you're like, oh, I'm pulling out Rona. I'm going to lose another game. It's like you want to actually have a way to win. But I don't know if you can do it unless you do some degenerate combo that are that's just going to frustrate people. Right. It's so. it's it's probably not the best. Just like you said, value town. Um, yeah. Like just just get free historic spells because really, it's just allowing you to recast them from your graveyard. And maybe you want to play uh, a creature 
or a legendary uh, like Kethis instead if you're gonna do something like that for your strategy. But yeah, I, I do agree with you um, that an infinite mana combo is pretty much gonna be the only way that I see this creature seeing play. Um, and you can do it, you know, not not that you can do it better with other things, but you might have more fun doing it with another color with another combo. You right. Know, that's. Just make sure your playgroup knows you're doing that <laughs> before you do it. No, um, right. And 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 black and blue is one of my favorite combos. And you know, outside of the historic spells, you're going to be playing uh, control with with blue counter spells. So, right, um, right. And it's important to know that uh, Jace, wielder of mysteries, is a historic card. That it is, it is. But then you have to have another card exiled with Rona that allows you to draw cards to win. Right. So, yeah, Rona seems interesting. Um, don't know if she's the best, but <clears throat> if anybody listening has a Rona deck, send us your deck list because this is one that I actually want to look over. Very cool. Who is your last card? My last guy. His name is Cedrus. Not Cedric, but Cedrus, the Trader King. All right. Uh, he is a three and Grixis, so blue, black, and red. Zombie Warrior. He is a 5-5, five five, so he's kind of a big guy. Uh, and he has the ability that each creature in your graveyard has Unearth with, for two and a black. And that means for two and a black, you can return that card to play, uh, that creature to play. It gains haste, and you can remove it. You have to remove it from the game at the end of the turn or if it leaves play. You can only Unearth as a sorcery. Um, so this is kind of a reanimator deck. However, most reanimator decks want to continuously reanimate the same targets over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's he. Yes. It's it's hard to say whether or not this guy is actually going to do what you wanted to do. Um, so he does he does give you access to either one or two additional colors depending on who you're comparing him to. So I know Chainer Nightmare Adept is kind of the new hotness for reanimator decks right now. And he uh, actually allows you to cast creatures from your graveyard. And then any creature that entered the battlefield, if it wasn't entered from your hand, uh, they gain haste. So you don't have to exile the creature with Chainer um, in order to get them on the battlefield and swing. However, Chainer doesn't have access to blue. So that would be the upside uh, from him. And then also you don't have to... Uh, cast the creature for its total mana cost, you can cheat it out for two and a black. Um, so I see Cedrus as kind of a commander that you want to just, you know, untap with 90 mana or some ridiculous amount, reanimate your entire graveyard with Unearth, and then swing in at somebody. Um, it might be worth noting that you can, you know, exile like a squee or something and return it to your hand with Cedrus. Uh-huh. Um, he is a zombie warrior himself and he does have five power. So he, he's pretty big and, you know, you could play him with a bunch of your uh, zombie lords and stuff if you want to uh, try to kill someone that way. Um, but it, he'll also work if you 
uh, you know, can only half people with a gray merchant and then you sacrifice it and then unearth it right back. So if you're only looking for two uh, enter the battlefield triggers or two death triggers um, from some of your creatures, uh, Cedrus could offer you that combo advantage. <laughs> this is your guy. If you yeah. want to, you've only got one shot. Do <laughs> not. Some, sometimes you only need one, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just, Unearth is a really cool ability, and I, I definitely think that I would play this just to say that I'm playing an Unearth ability. You know, it's not it's not played very often, Sure, Unearth. Um, but uh, this is, there's 282 decks for Cedrus, obviously, on, on EDH rack. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's likely more. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think um, you do want to untap with, like, 99 mana and do your thing all on a single turn. Um, but it is, it's, it's a very value centric, you, you need the card that's going to come back one final time to do something really important mm-hmm. to, to be worth playing it. So, you know, looking at cards like Sepulchral Primordial, when it comes in, you, you reanimate a creature from each of your, your opponent's graveyards and those don't leave. Right. So like that, that's a really good one. Runescar Demon is a tutor, um, Playing, you know, there's there's a unique card that's probably only important in this deck. I love those kinds of cards, like Teferi's Veil. Um, it's an enchantment that says whenever a creature you control attacks, it phases out at the end of combat, so you're not going to actually unearth it because it disappeared. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's it's. I don't know if I, I think that actually just gets around it. It phases out. It comes back in on your next turn, and now it's just there. I, I don't know if it still sees. I'd have to look it up, but I don't know if the after phasing out and then coming back in, if the Cedrus unearth trigger is still on it, and then when it dies the next time, it it actually dies. But um, so this deck fading out does not count as leaving play. Okay, so the unearth is still there, but it doesn't it doesn't come back until your next turn. So I guess when it dies, it then would just get exiled, because it you're not gonna it's not gonna be there at end of turn. It just disappears. You pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, you pretend it doesn't exist, but that means it's still in play. Is it? Well, it's not they exiled. It, it's. I don't. I don't so, know. So it, so it <laughs> never it so never bad. actually leaves play. So that's why it works. So you pretend it doesn't exist, but it doesn't actually leave play. It's it's phased out. Yeah. And so it phases back in on your next turn. So then does you'll get the it Cedrus back. So you get it back, but does does the unearth is the unearthed ability still on it after it phases back in, meaning when it dies on your next turn potentially, will then it get exiled or will it go back to the graveyard? <laughs> It doesn't say at the end of the next turn. It just says at the end of turn. Okay. So maybe you get around your unearth by playing Teferi's Veil. That's the very hotness interesting. that's one in a blue. Huh. <laughs> I love it. That's crazy. Didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, I just I think this is just again, it, it's it's victim of this is an old card from the mm-hmm. Alara block, and there's new hotness that people want to play now but i'm sure there's a bunch of cedrus decks put together in people's you know boxes in their bedroom and they just haven't pulled it out for fnm in a long time pull it back out people P- pull it back Ced- out your cedrus decks 
Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Should that be the title of this episode? Pull it back out. Pull it no, back out. <laughs> Will we get more listens? <laughs> That's the title. <laughs> uh, so I'll go on to my last one. Um, we have Psy Master Thopterist. Um, only 467 decks on EDH Rec, uh, mono blue, and it is the sixth highest commander in mono blue, which surprised me that the sixth highest is only 467, but I guess it is mono. People like to play multiple colors, mm-hmm. but Psymaster Thopterist is a 1-4 human artificer for two and a blue, so it's it's cheap and it has a big old butt, and it says whenever you cast an artifact spell, you create a 1-1 Thopter with flying, and then it has an ability to pay one and a blue, sacrifice two artifacts, and you draw a card. So this is not a control deck in blue, and it's my one of my favorite you know deck types of 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 making tokens. I love me some tokens. Gotta love tokens. Um, and you're, you're you're playing tokens, and then you're 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 buffing the tokens by playing artifacts that give other artifacts creatures plus one plus one like chief of the foundry master of ethereum steel overseer some of those being artifacts themselves mm-hmm. so when you cast them you make another thopter um <clears throat> great commander for mechanized production on mm-hmm. a thopter for sure um it's, it's although you I, don't have to cast mechanized production on the thopter to win by having 10 thopters Correct. You can cast mechanized production on something that's giving you even more value or more mana, and then you're just going mm-hmm. to incrementally get the tenth thopter, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you'll be good to go. Um, there's a lot of new cards that have just come out that fit really well with this, like Emery Lurker of the Lock. Um, you know, Modern Horizons brought Urza, Lord High Artificer, and and it, you can play that Urza just to get that construct, and uh, you know he has his ability still that. A lot of people don't don't think about the the paying and shuffling and then revealing, but I I just don't see this. This is the deck that I mentioned at the beginning of the discussion. So Brian has a Psy Master Thopterist deck, um, and when he built it, he didn't even put like that much money into it. Like he had a bunch of ramps. So I mean, like he had a Mana Crypt and he had a Soul Ring and he had a Mox Amber, but. <clears throat> You know, you drop five artifacts and you realize you have five one ones coming at you. And then the next turn he plays two pumped creatures and you're like, oh, okay, I take 15. And then it just it just gets out of control. Right. And sacrificing two artifacts to draw a card. There's a lot of artifacts that similar to um, the Rona deck artifacts that when they die, they do things Um, or the. Um, Shattergang Brothers deck, you know, when the tokens die, they, you know, Psy uses those to not only sacrifice them to draw a card, but then they do something on their way out. Um, I just think this deck is super underplayed, and I've played against this deck, uh, I, I think once or twice, Brian brought it over one time, and it, he ran over the table with it. And maybe that's why. I it's, mean, it's possible. I mean, it, it does good things. It does good things and it does them easily. You don't have to work for this. You just play artifacts and then you win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. Um, I mean, I am I am looking through the uh, popular cards here, and obviously it is blue, so it does play some some cards like Cyclonic Rift and some counter spells and stuff to keep your board state uh, clear and ready to go. And you don't have to though. But you don't it, have to. It, there there are some. I guess There's that's an, one of the advantages. Mirrored and besieged. 
you know, if you turn it on to Phyrexian, uh, at the beginning of your end step, you draw a card and discard. If there's 15 or more artifacts in your graveyard, you just, you, an opponent loses. Mm -hmm. um, or you put it on mirror, and when you cast an artifact spell, you make a 1-1 one, one colorless mirror. Both of those are valuable if you're playing a Psy um, artifact deck. It's fantastic. So good. So good. Play more Psy. If you play Psy, let us know. Yeah, if you play any of these decks, yes, please you send any us your of these deck times. lists. We want to see them. I think that's the end of our list. Do you want to do Commander of the Week? And then uh, you know I want to do Commander of the Week. All right. All right. Commander of the Week this week is, I mentioned before, my baby, Shirei Shizo's Caretaker. Uh, this was the first mono black deck that I made. And as you know, if you are a listener out there, mono black is the best color combination uh, in Magic the Gathering and my favorite on top of that. So Shirei Shizo's Caretaker, uh, for four and a black, you get a 2-2 two, two spirit that says, whenever a creature with power one or less is put into your graveyard from play, you may return that creature card to play under your control at end of turn if Shirei Shizo's Caretaker is still in play. Um, so the, the wording on it is kind of weird, but everything is on there for a reason. So what the deck is, is it's mono black and it is the creature, uh, most often referred to as weenie, a weenie being low powered creatures in this case, power one or less. What this deck aims to do is to, uh, put a bunch of really low powered creatures that have, uh, effects, uh, that either when they enter the battlefield or when they die, um, things happen. Um, uh, a, a lot of the cards create tokens um, that you can end up sacrificing for a lot of mana to uh, win the game with an Exsanguinate or a Torment of Hailfire. Um, or with just pinging people down with cards like Zulaport Cutthroat and Blood Artist. So... Um, some of the special cards that you'll see in Shirei that you probably won't see in many other decks are cards like uh, Tattered Mummy and Perilous Mirror. Uh, Tattered Mummy is one in a black. It is a zombie jackal, power one, toughness two. Uh, when Tattered Mummy dies, each opponent loses two life. So what this allows you to do is if you have a free sack outlet out like an Ashnod's Altar, Phyrexian Altar, um, uh, uh, Moth, uh, Thran Physician, Yeheni, Viseraseer, Carrion Feeder, Altar of Dementia, Spawning Pit, you know, we play them all. Uh, this allows you on every single person's turn at the end of their second main phase, since Shirei's trigger doesn't happen until end phase, to sacrifice uh, all of your one power and less creatures to do all of their death abilities, and then at end step, they will all return to the battlefield. That's right, not just on your turn, but on every single person's turn. Um, there's a couple special synergies. We, we do play a mana package that helps us get to that high mana. We play Cabal Coffers and an Urborg and a Nykthos Shrine to Nyx. Uh, we play a Deserted Temple that allows us to pay one, tap it, and untap another land we control, which allows us to activate our Nykthos again or activate our Cabal Coffers again. Uh, we play Tutors to try to find some of our pieces. Um, some of the cards that we're going to play that are um, all-stars in the deck uh, are cards um, that give us card advantage uh, that you seriously won't see them in any other deck. Mindless Automaton is definitely the all-star and people see it come down and they go okay I've never seen that before. What does that card do? Um, 
It's for four four generic. It is an artifact creature construct. It is a zero zero. But when it enters the battlefield, it enters with two plus one plus one counters on it. Uh, you can pay one generic, discard a card to put a plus one plus one counter on Mindless Automaton. But the more important ability is you remove two plus one plus one counters from Mindless Automaton to draw a card. So this card itself um, comes in with two counters. You can remove the two counters to draw. When it dies, it dies as a zero zero, not as a two two, so that it actually does um, see the Shiray trigger. Uh, the important part about that card is it actually sacrifices itself. So if you don't have a sacrifice outlet, that's probably one of the best cards you can have because you'll end up drawing into a sacrifice outlet. We have a couple niche cards in here, uh, such as Gleaming Barrier and Pitiless Plunderer, which allow it uh, when Gleaming Barrier dies, uh, or Pitiless Plunderer says whenever another creature dies, you get treasures. This helps you ramp up. Skittering Surveyor and Pilgrim's Eye, when they enter the battlefield, you can search your library for a basic and put it in your hand, which actually is very important for this deck. We're running a very low um, number of uh, lands in this deck. We're actually running 32 lands. It's very, very aggressive, um, but it is low on mana cost for the creatures, and we get some of those creatures out. We can reiterate them on every turn and basically untap as if we had a land tax go off every single time. Um, we run some reanimation spells, specifically ones that look for sacrificing your own creatures in order to do reanimation, like Victimize, uh, Blood for Bones, and then the flashback ability of Dread Return. Um, we run some cheap reanimation spells, such as Reanimate. Um, the token generators we have are Mere Sire, Marsh Flitter, Orzov Enforcer, Doom Dissenter, Weaponcraft Enthusiast, and actually the uh, best token generator that we have in the deck is sling gang commander so this was a card that was printed in modern horizons pretty recently for three and a black it's a one one that says when sling gang lieutenant sorry sling gang lieutenant not commander when sling gang lieutenant enters the battlefield you create two one one red goblin creature tokens and then you can sacrifice a goblin, target player loses one life, and gains one life. So not only can this creature sacrifice itself, but it also sacrifices the two tokens that come in with it to ping three damage. So that's three damage per each person's turn. And the reason this card is so good is because we play an equipment in this deck called Nim Death Mantle. Nim Death Mantle is an equipment, costs two generic, that says uh, equip creature gets plus two plus two and has intimidate and is a black zombie. But... Whenever a non-token creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay four. If you do, return that card to the battlefield and attach Nim Death Mantle to it. So this combos with an Ashnod's Altar, uh, which sacrifices a creature for two generic mana, uh, to either produce infinite generic mana uh, with the Sling Gang Commander or infinite pings with the Sling Gang Commander uh, once you have the infinite mana in order to reanimate it and activate its ability to sacrifice the tokens. Um, so that is just a quick look at the deck. Uh, I will be posting a deck list. And if you have any questions, um, I have been refining this deck. I've made a lot of cuts in my days. So if you're thinking in my oh, day, <laughs> in, in my day, uh, I, I actually have, I've, I've probably cut and replaced about, 30 cards in the deck from its original brew um so there there's a lot of um you know high cmc spicy cards that i i did end up cutting 
in order to bring the CMC down lower so that I can reduce the mana costs and or uh, the amount of lands I have in the deck uh, to put some more card draw and uh, special cards like Dictate of Erebos and Contamination. Contamination shutting down the entire board from anything but black mana. Um, so I put those control pieces in to make the deck a little bit better. Um, so if you have any questions, please feel free and uh, ask and beat all of your opponents with mono black weenies. <laughs> well, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can find our podcast on Twitter at GuardianPod. You can find me at ATFlory. You can find me at WormCoilEngine. Also take a look for hashtag GuardianProjectPod to find our posts and episodes. We'd like to hear from you, so send along uh, your comments and any topics you'd like us to talk about, and we'll go over those on the next episode. You can also email us at GuardianProjectPod at gmail.com. And again, don't forget we have a Discord that is now open to all, so feel free to reach out to us, send us a message, we'll add you to that. Um, We do have a mailbag um, channel on there, so if you have anything you want us to talk about, you can also send it to us there. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Yeah, your Shire deck is gross. I didn't even mention Scarecrone. <laughs> I know. It's so it's just like it's so good. Uh it's it's just so weird. You know Scarecrone is an $18 card? No, I know it used to be expensive. Yep, still I didn't is. I realize it was still is. <laughs> St- didn't change. <laughs>